0: at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders.
1: Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We're at the CPE Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. Andrew's right here. How's your morning?
2: It's uh, It's been pretty good. Uh, didn't get a lot of sleep last night, but... Uh, but it's been, a, it's been a good morning. Talked to a lot of great people. Uh, I think
1: we've done eight interviews between yesterday and today so far. So far, yep. It's rapid fire. I feel it like is. I'm drinking out of a fire hydrant. You are. And uh, today we're going to hear an interview with Danny Petri. Danny Petri is a Christian suspense and romance
2: novelist. I know. I, I was very excited for this one uh, leading up. Uh, sold 800,000 copies or something on Amazon. She's or?
1: written 14 books. We just finished the interview And I was really intrigued. We we had a great conversation, and I think people are going to love this interview because we got into issues like what's okay for Christians to write about in a romance or in a suspense novel? Sure. How do you kill people off?
2: Yeah. I mean, God created romance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, within certain boundaries. Uh, Yeah. So um, anyway, just a, a very cool interview, and I just kind of clicked with her as well. She was easy to talk to, and I can tell you, this is going to be one of the favorite interviews that our audience hears from this conference. Yeah, so, I think
2: so. I'm, I'm excited to listen to it myself.
1: Danny Petri from Maryland, got a couple kids, got a husband, and is just kicking it out. So I'd say listen to the interview enjoy it and i'm glad that we got a chance to connect
2: and we'll, we'll try and put some links to to her her work uh down in the show notes uh because i think probably people are going to want to be interested in what she's got to to write
1: and i'll put a plug in for joyce barbatty and tj's christian bookstore which is in our hometown of cedar falls joyce sells danny's books at her bookstore and she says they do very well there people love them yeah so excellent awesome enjoy the interview thanks danny Hi, everybody, Matt Reester. I'm at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington, Kentucky. And today on the CC Podcast Conversations, I've got Danny Petri, who is the author of Christian suspense slash romance novels, which was interesting to us when we saw your bio, Danny. Thanks for being here, by the way. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, there are more interview requests at something like this than we have time for. Sure. And so we kind of tried to filter through which ones might be of most interest to our audience. And uh, yours kind of jumped off and rose to the top because it's such a unique thing. You know, you got a million people writing devotionals and yes. a bunch of people writing nonfiction mm-hmm. in the Christian space. Yes. But to be a novelist, and not just a novelist, but a suspense and romance novelist, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, how did you come to be a Christian suspense and romance novelist? So I'm asking two questions. One okay. is kind of what's your faith story? Mm-hmm. And then uh, how did you realize that you needed to be an author?
3: Okay. Um, so my faith story, I actually grew up. Um, I have a kind of uh, traumatic past as a child. I had child trauma. Um, And two alcoholic parents. uh, Both uh, were sober. My dad's been sober for 30 years, but it was a rough home to grow up in. Mm. Um, And so I got to be a teen, and I completely rebelled. So as a teen, you know, I was doing everything a teen shouldn't be doing. I was drinking. I was smoking. I was just living a really rough life. And I got to the age of... 19 and something started changing and I started realizing I wasn't enjoying what I was doing Mm. I didn't really want to be doing it anymore I wasn't really sure how to change that and I met my husband and my husband had been raised um, in a secular home as well but his grandfather had always read his Bible to him he would go for sleepovers Mm. and my husband came to Christ And so when I met my husband and we started going to church and, um, not long after I, I accepted Christ as my savior, but it took a few more years before I really realized what that fully meant and actually surrendered to him and repented. And, um, so I became a Christian at 23 actually. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's um it's one of those things. I always think nobody's too far from grace. Yes. And I look back on it, and I'm thinking there were ways that he protected me that I didn't realize when yeah. I was younger. And you know, it's it's been a hard road in the sense that you, I, forgiveness wise, and can he forgive me? And, yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, getting to a place of grace. So that's that's really uh, an interesting journey he took me on, and
1: where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia. Yeah. Yes. In the
2: shadows of the swamp. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs)
1: Northern Virginia. And now you're in Maryland. Is that right?
3: Yes. My husband's from the Baltimore area. So we live about a half hour northeast of Baltimore.
1: So just a little kind of tangent. uh, My son and I were just in Baltimore. must have been two weeks ago. He's actually with me here now. Just graduated from high school, 18 years old. He's probably still in bed in the hotel Yeah,
2: right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, um,
1: Mason and I have been on a journey to see the Yankees play in every ballpark.
3: No. And
1: so we're big Yankees fans out in the middle of Iowa. Okay. And and so we, going into this, we started in 2014, which was, are you a baseball fan at all?
3: Yes, big baseball fan. We love the O's from Baltimore. And then oddly enough, we also love the Red Sox. Oh, cool! And so we've gone up to uh, Fenway to see them, and yeah. we've traveled to see the O's play different places.
1: So being a Yankees fan, uh, you're supposed to hate the Red Sox, but we don't. Yes. We don't. <laughs> and uh, Fenway is actually my favorite ballpark. Isn't it great? It's an incredible ballpark. It is. But anyway, we started in 2014, which was Derek Jeter's last season.
3: Okay. Yep.
1: And that's why we started. Mason was what maybe 10 years old mm-hmm. then and i wanted him to see jeter play and we had this plan to uh see the yankees play in every ballpark and so we're gonna finish this season we had three to go wow going into this season and one of them was baltimore oh
3: that's great and then we're gonna
1: write a book about it which yeah. is gonna be cool so oh
3: no that's fabulous yeah. i love that idea but
1: we uh so we were in baltimore Just two weeks ago for the Orioles-Yankees game, the Yankees got beat. They're playing terrible right now. Yeah. Do you live in Baltimore?
3: I live about a half hour outside of Baltimore. Which way? uh, North, northeast. Okay. We're up in a smaller town right on the water. Um, But, yeah, we can be in Baltimore in under a half hour, half hour. We really
1: enjoyed our time there. I've got a friend whose son just graduated from the Naval Academy Oh wow! and he's working out there. So we went down to Annapolis and nice. checked out the Naval Academy and ate in Annapolis yeah, and I would nice. like to spend some more time. We were just in and out for like a day and a half.
3: Okay. But gotcha. Annapolis is beautiful. It's on the water. They've got great shops and the Naval Academy. I mean, it's a place to spend some time if you have it.
1: So I was looking at the uh, synopsis of your book, Cold Shot. Yes. And I noticed it, are, are all your books set in that area because that's what you're familiar with
3: um, that series the cold shot was in uh, the Chesapeake Valor series so those four books were written yes Baltimore area near right by the Chesapeake Bay um, I thought it would be fun to write a book set where I live and yeah. there's not a whole lot of fiction books or suspense books set in Baltimore in Christian fiction so I thought it might be a little bit different for people to kind of see it
1: so how did you come to the place where you realized you're going to be an author? Did that start way back?
3: Yeah, it started way back. I would say the love of story started way back. I didn't know I wanted to be an author, but um, I read Murder on the Orient Express when I was like eight oh. and it hooked me on whodunits by uh, Agatha Christie. Yeah. And I was like, loved it. And then um, I was a kid. So uh, Scooby-Doo was one of my favorite shows, <laughs> Nancy Drew, all of those. And I loved to daydream. Um, Sometimes I got in trouble in school for it, but I would daydream stories. And I would see them kind of move like movies in my head. And, uh, you know, got older, got married, we had kids, I didn't really think about it. And then uh, maybe when they were like eight and 10, I uh, decided to take a creative writing class at the college, community college and i went and i loved it came home i said i feel like god wants me to write a book i i don't don't know what the book's gonna be but this is what i feel so i started writing and i loved history so i started writing historical fiction it wasn't the right fit and i didn't know what would be so i took a year off in prayer and then god
1: how old were you at this time
3: oh i was in my upper 30s so yeah mid mid 30s um and I, yeah, I took a year off and then God really just, I felt this peace about writing romantic suspense for the Christian market, for sure, um, and that's um, what I've been doing since.
1: Amazing. So uh, what did you do before this?
3: Yes, yeah, so um, we had kids, actually, I, my husband and I got married when I was 20 and we had our first daughter at 21 and our younger daughter at 23 and i was a stay-at-home mom and then i homeschooled my kids all the way through okay so i was i was homeschooling and uh, then the writing started and once they graduated i sold uh my first book my novel submerged uh the year my oldest daughter graduated high school so was still very involved with homeschooling
1: yeah My wife and I homeschool our four kids. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I I should say that differently. My wife Wife. homeschools our kids. And as you can anticipate, uh, I'm the field trip coordinator. Yes. That's That's fun. I'm the principal and the superintendent and the field trip coordinator.
3: (laughs) My husband had those roles, and and the other one he had was uh, anything with math and science. Once they hit high school... Because I'm very creative and I do creative writing and history and geography, not my area. So he did a good job because our oldest is getting her doctorate in uh, biomedical statistics. Wow. And she has uh, two, a master's and undergrad in applied math. So wow. So he did a good job. That's My awesome. younger daughter went with me, very creative. She does marketing.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That works. It works. Yeah. So... Uh... Mason, our oldest, just graduated. And on his diploma, you know, we have we, he made up a diploma. Yeah. And he, he was taking some classes at a local Christian school and kind of co-op. And uh, yep. But so they let him walk, but he didn't have the credits to graduate from there. So they said, we'll let him walk and we'll give him a diploma, but it's gonna have your diploma in it instead of ours. So we had to make up our own diploma. Oh, wow. And so Jen's name, you know, we both signed the diploma. We just kind of made this yes. diploma up on, on the computer, that's but funny. she was the uh, curriculum director and teacher and I was the field trip coordinator.
3: <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. I love that. So that's
1: etched in uh, some some college or university or they'll be hanging on somewhere. Right. Someday, yeah.
3: Oh my goodness. So is he looking at colleges now?
1: You know, he's, he's a sharp kid who could totally do it, but I really advised him, if you don't have a plan that requires you to get a college degree, we're not just going to go off to college. No. And that was kind of the way it was when we were younger. Yes. Is you just went to college because yes. that's, and if you didn't go to college, something was wrong with you. Like you weren't smart enough, you right. weren't quite able to cut it. Right. And I'm thrilled that I went to college because I, I met my wife there. Uh, but I don't think this whole like herd people off to college mentality is real helpful.
3: Exactly.
1: And so he's a, uh, He's an entrepreneur, he's a great people person, and we're going to have him stay at home for Mm -hmm. a year and get a job, Mm -hmm. and I've got a couple business ideas that I want him to kind of experiment with and see if something takes, and if a year from now he decides, hey, I want to go to college and get this degree because of this, we'll be all for it, Mm -hmm. but I think just for several different reasons, him taking a year to work and just kind of explore is going to be good for him.
3: Yeah. My younger daughter did that. We called it a gap year. Yeah. Because she had no idea. Um, And she came back and she she thought psychology. She went to school halfway, you know, her junior year, she said, nope, that's not right. So she switched. So it took a couple extra years. but. Yeah. She needed the gap year and it was really good for her. I think kids don't need to have that pressure. if mm-hmm. they're. So many kids go in and they're like, I have no idea what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, then why are we here if you don't know what you want to do? Totally. So,
1: Just spending money like crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Awesome. So uh, I've got a lot of questions and interests in a suspense and romance writer to the Christian market. Yes. Um, but before I get into that... Just, I mean, I'm not. I don't want this to come off wrong to our audience, or you. I'm not a prude. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I'm. I I love watching movies. Sure. Uh, there's TV shows, and and I've kind of come to a place where I have a lot of freedom in Christ, mm-hmm. and there are things that I stay away from. Yes. Like in movies and TV, as an example. Um, I will endure language and violence. I stay away from nudity. Yes. And I just think that's an important line. It and, is. And you'd have a hard time convincing me that that's a line that shouldn't be there. Right. Um, but but there are some people that would say I shouldn't even expose myself right. to some of the other stuff that I'm willing to expose right. myself or my kids to. Sure. Um, but, but I put that all in the category of kind of freedom in Christ. Yes. There's a section where Paul writes about meat sacrificed to idols yeah. in 1 Corinthians. Yeah. And the idea being, yes, we're free to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but if it causes someone else to stumble, we need to be careful about where we consume that or how we consume yes. that. Yes. And I think that applies to a lot of stuff.
3: Exactly.
1: Uh, alcohol. Yes. What you watch on TV.
3: What you listen to music. That kind
1: of stuff. And so... Um, I mean, before we even get to your writing, Mm -hmm. like where are you at on all that kind of stuff?
3: Sure. That's a great question. So uh, we definitely draw the line at nudity for sure. Um, But I watch, uh, my husband and I will watch movies that have, I would say, minor language. You know, if a movie has some language, it's not pervasive. We will watch that and violence. My husband was military. So we watch a lot of, you know, war movies. Yeah. Uh, those type of things. If the language gets high, I usually will bow out. My husband will watch them. I'm mean, in yeah. the Navy, so he's like... In the Navy, using language is like breathing. Like, that's just how you speak. So he has a few war movies. I'm like, I'm going to bow out of this one. But no, we're... I mean, we're definitely not where we limit ourselves so much. We just don't feel that we... that God's calling us to say, don't watch this. If yeah. we have a... If we start watching and something doesn't feel right, we'll turn it off. But no, we're we're yeah. definitely. It's mainly the the sex scenes or the yeah. anything like that. We that's out.
1: There are so many great shows like on Netflix yes. or Amazon that if they would just cut out some of that just over the top sex stuff, yes, it would be so good. It would. And, and it doesn't even really. I mean, you know how you can. I mean, you're creative. Yeah. I mean, you can insinuate yes. everything that they show.
3: Absolutely. You know, you
1: show a bedroom bedroom door closed. Exactly. And then you go to the next scene. And everyone knows what that what meant. Happened.
3: Right. But you but don't they're show showing it. it.
1: And it's like, come on guys. I like know. I, I would think that you would get so many more viewers.
3: I would think so. If you
1: just kind of were a little bit yeah. more tactful exactly. about that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's funny because my wife and I are similar to you and your husband, whereas my threshold for yes. the violence and language is pretty high. Yes. One thing that I've kind of grown in, I'm careful to like publicly endorse something that might cause someone else a problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. So instead of, uh, like, I'm sure you saw the Top Gun movie Maverick. Oh,
3: yes. Three times. And you loved
1: it. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah. And, and that's one that I feel like it's so far below the threshold yes. that I can say, hey, you got to go see this movie. Absolutely. It was phenomenal. It, yes. But there are other movies or shows that I see where I'm not trying to hide that, I look at, that right. I've look that watched them. Right, But I also don't want to just kind of publicly put my name on it Right. because of what that might reflect. Sure. To, you know what I'm saying? No,
3: I know exactly what you're saying because, I mean, like if we have friends over and they have a different threshold – we will not want something that's going to yes. be uncomfortable for them or make them stumble, so I totally get that. Yeah, but
1: so the reason I'm even bringing this all yeah. up is because I think that it probably plays into your writing, right? Yes. I mean, you have to filter through all that stuff.
3: Yes, yes. And so
1: I'm thinking, like, I've never read a romantic novel in my life. Okay. I've heard that at their worst, they're like the female version of pornography. Yes,
3: yes, yes, they are.
1: And so... Obviously you're not doing that. No. But there has to be like certain it's romance. Yes.
3: <laughs> there has to be is.
1: certain like stuff that happens. Yeah. Yes. And so and then and then likewise on the suspense side. Yes. Now I could get really excited about the suspense side. Right. Because like, let's go kill some people, yes. let's make it grisly. And but but you probably aren't taking liberty with that to the degree that it's done in a secular market. Yes. So talk us through all that
3: sure so yes great questions um so with the romance itself um I try to focus it's interesting because I will write my draft that I send to my editors and I always tend to go a little over what they'll allow me to do yeah because I'm writing the story how I feel like it's supposed to be written how I'm comfortable I would have anybody read it it's nothing like bad but they're like no this is a little iffy you know this person shouldn't sit on the, like you know the bed with this person if she's like sick to help her they need to be in a chair beside the bed like different things like really that. i yeah. was going to ask
1: you for specifics but that's yes, one. do you, that's you have any other one. specifics
3: um i think that's one the other is you have to be very careful with words that are not even necessarily cuss words so like sucks yes or piss yeah those are ones that are like well you you could leave them but I really wouldn't leave them like they're very they're not telling me you can't do this but they're like if you put the word heck in something or I, I actually had a, a heck heck
1: They wanted to cancel heck
3: Oh I can't say it Yeah heck heck
1: Dude, I'm canceled right now
3: I know I know <laughs> And so I'm like you know the, I kind of switched to the suspense but with the suspense you have bad guys. And you're like, what are bad guys going to say that they can't say heck? They can't say this. They can't, you know, and so it's really a little, that part is difficult. Um, Yeah. The violence I show, um, I do limit how much I show. So, um, like, there's a really, what is a rough scene in the Deadly Shallows, but I don't show it, I show at the beginning and then I kind of talk about what happened later, but I don't show the whole scene. So I try to like let people know what's happening without writing it graphically out. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there there's dead bodies in my books. There's usually, there's always one. Sometimes there's more than one. Yeah. And um, so it's more writing the villain um, authentic, uh, authentically, authentically. Thank you. Authentically. Um, because, you know, they're, they're, Dark, and they're not good people, and they're trying to kill people. And so, like, trying to have them not be like, oh, gee, or you know what I mean? (laughs) That is a balance. The romance is a little easier for me. Um, I do get kind of like, don't focus so much on attraction, look at relationship. And I'm like, but attraction is part of it too. And so we found a good balance where I can kind of write where I'm comfortable. And every now and then they'll point something out. But for the most part, they're like, you can have this. So
1: like, what's something they would point out on the romance side?
3: uh, So the romance side, I think if I, was talking about somebody's looks and specifics or if somebody would, you know, sometimes like you ring the doorbell in the middle of the night, there's a huge suspense thing going on. The person comes to the door in just jeans and no top. And they're like, okay, but be careful with that. Or if somebody's taking a shower, like the person
1: would be a dude who came to the door with jeans and no top.
3: Yes. And they're like, well, so they let me do it, but I always get a little bit of pushback on that. Or if somebody has to shower, I don't show the shower, of course, but they're like, okay, we'll just quickly say he showered. Like, don't, <laughs> so it's very interesting. This is so funny It to me. is, it's very it, interesting. And I mean, on
1: one hand, I get it. Yes. <clears throat> on another hand, it's like, dude, like. I know. My publishing company would, would like, I guess be out of business. Yeah. You know, because I would allow probably some greater. Yeah. You know, um, this is another kind of tangent.
3: Sure.
1: But I've often wondered, I'd love to interview some of these people, whether they're Christians who do secular music. Yes. Or Christians who act in secular movies. Yeah. So my favorite actor, I think, of all time is Denzel Washington. Oh,
3: yes. He's amazing.
1: And um, Denzel supposedly as a christian yes, and not just like lip service no but real yes um and so one of my questions for denzel is how do you play some of the roles that you have played and say some of the things you have said and that be okay for a christian and i'm not necessarily even saying it's not
3: right right no but i
1: think for me it would it would not be
3: no i agree
1: and so so how has he navigated this? And I think there is freedom.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think you can also play the artist license a little too much yes. to justify stuff that shouldn't be done.
3: Exactly. That's true. And
1: I love
3: yeah. Denzel. He's never in a bad movie. I like, watch he's him play amazing. in anything. Yeah.
1: And uh, But I do have that kind of lingering question. Like, yes. how is this okay for a Christian? And I think there might be an answer that is acceptable.
3: Yes. Yes, but I'd I just like to know that. what it is. Exactly, my husband and I have talked about that because we are huge Denzel fans, um, and we're just like, how how does that work? You know what I mean? Like especially like movies with language and violence, and yeah. it's like, um, how how do you have that happen but not feel like compromised in any way? And, yeah, you know, I'm sure that when if if you talk to him or I'm somebody, never I'm never I am never but if somebody himself. does it is a question I'd love to have asked I'm just curious and I'm you know not judging because you yeah. know what I mean yep. but but yeah that's true and then there's other movies where there's um two characters and uh spouse will be on the set let's say for another role or filming or whatever and that character has to kiss another person yeah and I always wonder how does that work That's, totally yeah yeah acting is its own kind of field so yeah but it's, it's still kind of in
1: the general realm of it what is. of what you're doing
3: yes yeah and
1: uh but it's it's interesting to hear kind of the line of the publisher or the threshold of the publisher compared to your threshold yes and like i said i can see you know that they've got to kind of keep a standard
3: they do um
1: at the same time like if somebody doesn't like heck because they're a Christian and they think that's wrong, just don't read my book. Yeah. Do you know what
3: I mean? I know. And the thing is, they, I, I think if I pushed on it, they would let me. Um, I know that they try to, they kind of have a feel for their readership. And so yeah. they're trying to keep it where they're not gonna, where it wouldn't be like, okay, you're gonna lose readership if you put this word in. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're much they'll let me do different. This was funny. I'll give you the story. So a lady emails me and she said, I am trying to reach your publisher and I cannot get through. I have to, I have a complaint about your book for the foul language you used. Okay. And I'm like, I I don't use foul language. Like I don't (laughs) say it myself. I don't put it in my books. And so she's like, can you give me their address? So I emailed my editor and I'm like, can I give her your address? Like, do you want to talk to this lady? Because I have no idea what she's talking about. So he comes back to me and he said, yeah, I I just told her, I'm sorry. We don't see it as a problem kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know how to help this lady. The word I said was dang. And she counted. I said it six times and she was highly <laughs> offended. And my editor was just like, "What what do I do with this?" So they do have they do have a line, but they also give some flexibility. So. Yeah. but it it is tricky with the suspense in particular.
1: So, uh, that's interesting that I wouldn't have thought about cuz my mind automatically goes to the romance. Yes. Being tricky. Yes. Um But it totally makes sense that the suspense is tricky because you can't have bad guys be really bad guys.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you can have them doing bad things, but you cannot show them speaking how they would most likely speak and words they would say to the level of violence they would do. Yeah, You have to kind of temper it. So One
1: of my questions was, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek but a little serious, like, it must be a little bit, A different experience for your husband to have his wife writing romance, and then I would be like reading, going, okay, what what is she putting in here? This like this like suppressed thing that I need to like I need to like meet her needs in a better way or something like that.
3: (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, he's a good sport. He reads all my books. He reads my manuscript before I turn it in, and then he reads the book when it comes out, and then he listens to it on audio and. Uh, the funny thing is, there are qualities of my husband in a lot of the different characters. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot are inspired by, like, friends, family, my husband. Um, but, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, these stories were the guys, like, you know, above and beyond and, you mm-hmm. know, just stellar hero and I'm so I'm I'm sure he's thinking great yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right step it up step it up
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh, you mentioned some of your characters are based on friends or whatever I mean do you have friends written in into some of these and then you kind of send them a copy and be like hey you know you're Sam or whatever right yeah
3: (laughs) it started with my first series and the two sisters are loosely based on my two daughters Oh, cool. Um, They just have the personality, and one of the brothers is a lot like my husband, but the Deadly Shallows, Noah, is probably the most like my husband in a character. So um, I do, though. Like, friends will see their names in the book. They'll be like, hey, that was my name. And one guy, I was not even thinking, like, I didn't mean to do this. But one guy, I'm like, oh, the guy's name is Daniel. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like a good name, Addison. I'm just going to put Addison I know a Daniel Addison. And he goes, I love being in the book, but you killed me off. <laughs> I <It's> like, <laughs> I'm so sorry to not think about that. I was like, it just sounded good together. Now I know why.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So what's the process of writing one of these? I mean, to, I haven't written a book. And we're going to get ready to write this one about our baseball yes. tour. Yes. And I've talked to different authors and, you know, mostly nonfiction because that's mm-hmm. where we're going. Right. But it's like you just got to write and write and keep writing and put stuff down and then blah, blah, blah. But do you... How many books have you written?
3: Uh, this is 14.
1: 14.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So how do they not start to just sound like each other i mean how do you keep it different and keep it separate mm-hmm. and do you get an idea back here for this book that doesn't really fit but then you bring it back in this book because it's more of a blank slate and yes how does that all work
3: yeah so um you know when i start out with a book um i kind of have a premise to it or at least know what the main character's like and i do a lot of research and then I really just jump into the story. But, it, especially with suspense, it you have to be careful because it will start to sound alike. And so it's like, how can I put these guys in danger, but in a different way than I've done it for 13 books? You right. know, like, I don't want to have eight car crashes, or the, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it is, you have to get a little creative and take some interesting Google searching and we joke the FBI will show up at my house one day, wondering why I'm searching these things. But uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, something to keep it fresh. And so I'm always trying to go, okay, what would be different? How can I write a list of things that would be different? And the romance, I think because the characters are so different that that doesn't repeat itself. Um, as much, but you still have the same thing. You're like, okay, like, how's he going to propose? Or what is he going to give her? What kind of date are they going to go on? And I'm thinking, well, I've done ice cream. I've done this. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah, you have to keep the ideas fresh and come up with them.
1: So how do you get inspired? I mean, do you listen to podcasts? Do you watch movies, listen to books? I mean...
3: All of those, I would say, I, I usually take a month off before I start a new series. Um, once I start the series, I'm kind of able to just, I've done that so I can keep going with the rest of the books, but for example, um, I'm finishing up the first book in a new series and it'll launch next year. And so before I knew what I wanted to write, I took time and I watched movies. I love movies mm-hmm. for me. Um, when I write books, the stories are movies in my head, so mm-hmm. I'm very visual. So I will watch a lot of different movies, um, listen to some podcasts, uh, listen to different music. Sometimes I'll even go and do something like a museum or an art gallery, mm-hmm. like anything that stirs creativity. Um, and sometimes, something will click, and I'll go, ooh, that might be a fun thing. And I'll be reading different research books on just whatever topics interest me, nonfiction mm-hmm. books. Um, And then usually something that comes through that inspires me. So um, the Coast Guard Investigative Service was inspired uh, kind of from where we were visiting and saw a Coast Guard station, but also NCIS. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, a lot of people write about that. Um, There was a Coast Guard Investigative Service agent in like one or two episodes. And I was like, that's intriguing. I want to write about that. Interesting. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, podcasts, I, I'm i kind of a crime, I don't know what it would be called, you know, like on TV, The First 48? Yes. You know that show?
3: Yes. Or
1: or there's a podcast called, called Most Notorious? Yes. Do you know that?
3: I do not know that, but that sounds fabulous. So,
1: Most Notorious is each episode, the podcast host, who's kind of a dry guy. Okay. Not flashy in any way, but he interviews an author of a book about a notorious crime Ooh. in U.S. history. Interesting. It, usually U.S. history. It might okay. be international. Interesting. But it goes through these old, and I mean, there are ones like The Green River Killer yep. okay. you know, that are like high profile.
3: Yes.
1: But then there are others that are obscure that you've never heard of that are oh, insane.
3: wow. And very,
1: very interesting. Oh,
3: I'm going to have to check that so out.
1: What I was wondering is like, do you, do you get ideas about how, like, do you have to learn the science of forensics and, and of yeah. uh, even like, um, like the medical examiner stuff, like yes. how people die,
3: yes. how to
1: kill them off.
3: Yes. And, yes.
1: and I would think that stuff like that, I'm just using the most notorious as an example because sure. it's one that I've listened to, might inspire ideas like, oh, way back in 1843 some dude murdered his neighbor yeah in this way and that would be a new and creative way yes to murder someone in my book because i've used all these other ideas and exactly. i'm out of ideas
3: exactly exactly yeah no, no no that makes i'd love to read that that's or listen to that that sounds most, fascinating most
1: notorious all right
3: i will definitely have to check that out yeah i it's funny i'm I was in the store and, you know, they have different magazine collections for movies or actors or books and Wild West. There was one actually on most notorious criminals that I saw in the airport. So that's interesting. You brought that up. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great way to get really unique story ideas. Um, and I, I like to, I'll find something when I'm researching and I'll look up somebody who did certain crimes and look at how they did those. Um, Look at a medical examiner, for example, had to do a ton of research for that. Um, I did a forensic anthropologist and I had one that worked all the way through the manuscript with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a really fun thing that I get to go to, it's called Writers Police Academy. Mm. And it's put on by Searchy, which is one of the biggest crime labs in the country. And you get to go and they teach you about like, tread marks, fingerprinting, they let you actually do stuff there. Um, And they have a a really, I mean, hugely famous um, criminal psychologist that comes and talks. And so I've learned so much through that. It's really amazing. And so I try to go every few years at the, I mean, like to go more often. and you do. You have to learn stuff. You get books on these things, and so my bookshelves are kind of interesting. <laughs> I did find one book though, and it's not. It's funny, but it's not funny. But it, 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 the book is called "How to Commit the Perfect Murder." Oh yeah. But the funny part is there's a label on it. This book does not endorse murder. murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> one of the
1: things I thought about. Like you listen to this, you watch the first forty-eight, or yeah. you listen to the most notorious. And you learn some really dumb things that people did that would actually make me better at getting away with murder. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like, do you feel like you could get away with murder?
3: I think you could. I'm talking about you. Oh, me? I wouldn't want to do it, but if I did it, I probably (laughs) could get away with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, it's impressive. Like when you start to learn stuff and what they look for and what gives stuff away and that actually really is really helpful for the novel because you can sit there and go they found this item and it's kind of a unique item but i've read about a case where they did find that item yeah yeah no i think i think it's possible to create to commit one where nobody solves it but uh, we talk about you know we'll have our family not when the grandkids are over but when like my younger daughter and fiance are over my husband and i I'll be like, I need a really creative way to kill somebody, or just you know, start
1: brainstorming. Yeah,
3: I, I think I'm going to dispose of the body this way. And my her fiance is always like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I need to behave in this house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, how have your books evolved over time? When did you write your first one? Mm-hmm. And we're in 2022 now, and yes. you're on
3: fourteen. Fourteen. Yes.
1: So. When did you start? and how Yeah.
3: You... Absolutely. So I actually started writing, um, let's see, probably 2006, actually, I think I started writing. Um, I did two manuscripts uh, that didn't sell, but I had a mentor, an amazing mentor, Dee Henderson, fabulous, amazing writer. Um, and then I wrote uh, Submerged, which ended up being my debut novel. So I sold it in 2010 and it came out in 2012, and that first series, Alaskan Courage, was uh, very... Alaskan Courage? Yes. Cool. Yeah, it's about five uh, siblings that run an adventure outfitter company, and so there is a lot of adventure in those, uh, very family-oriented. The crimes are, are a little lighter, if you will. Um, the second series uh, really went into deep into childhood friendship and a tragedy that had pulled them apart. So it shifted a little bit with the suspense. It went up a little bit. Coastal Guardian series it went up more. It just it, actually some people have been calling them thrillers. I don't know that I would go with that, but um, they just are, are more fast-paced, action-packed. Uh, my new series, I'm going back to family. I'm going to do a family of private investigators. So it definitely, each series is kind of unique to its own, and it lets me explore kind of a different area.
1: And so is series is the only way to really do this, or that's the way you've chosen to do it?
3: That's the way I've chosen mm-hmm. to do it. I, I wanted to tell the first series. I wanted to tell each sibling's story, mm. and they let me. And so then when it came to the next series, I was like, it's about four friends. They're like, okay, four books. So okay. Each, each series, um, I feel like they every now and then they'll say you can do a standalone, but I think series people get attached to the characters, even yeah. if they're not the main ones, and they want to hear those stories too. For sure. Yeah.
1: Very interesting. So let's talk about this one that you're here promoting. Sure. Shall- something shallow. Deadly Shallows. Deadly Shallows. What's yes. going on in this book?
3: So, <laughs> this book, um, actually, there is an attack on the Coast Guard base, and the uh, head agent, Noah Raleigh who is the head investigative agent, have to deal with this tragedy. And, you know, he's trying to find who's behind it, and he teams up with a flight medic, Coast Guard flight medic, who actually is the only one who can identify the killer killer knows it, so there's a target on her back, and so they have to race to find him before he kills her or kills again. And so it's it's about the Coast Guard Investigative Service team. Um, there's a lot of family interaction with Noah's family. Um, there's the love story woven in, the faith story woven in. Um, but I suspense is honestly my favorite part of writing, so it's very fast paced I would say so mm-hmm. it definitely has evolved I mean each series is pretty unique to themselves
1: how do you incorporate the faith side in these uh, it's differently each time I'm sure yes but, but it is. like do you have certain things like I want to for sure include x y or z faith wise uh, what, what, no, what do you do
3: I don't um, I kind of in my mind for me at least not for all authors I don't want to have an idea of what it is ahead of time because I don't want it to feel forced Because if I know ahead of time, I'm going to be trying to work it in. Yeah. So I just start writing. I see how the characters interact. I learn a little bit more about them as they kind of, as the story goes forward, because I'm not a big plotter. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go, oh, that's what it was about. Usually after my first draft, I read back through it and I'm like, oh, that's what the faith thread is about. Or that's what the lesson they learn is about. Okay. So, yeah, I do it kind of differently, but it works, I think. It just comes across more natural for me, I think. Yeah. Um than trying to force it.
1: Yeah. So you've written 14 books. How many have you sold? Uh,
3: how many copies have I sold uh, yeah, total? total? Um I'm over 800,000 copies sold. I mean,
1: that sounds like a ton, right? Yes. Like is that really good?
3: I believe so. Yes. I, I
1: mean, it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I don't know. What... Yeah,
3: it is. I think if authors hit a million sold at some point in their career, that's a really big deal. So. Oh, cool. It's, it's getting closer. So I'm yeah. happy.
1: So, like, from a financial standpoint, can you make a lot of money doing this? Or.
3: Yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, I. I mean, it's my sole income. I mean, my husband has an income, but uh, it's I work. That's my full-time job is writing, and yes, you can definitely make a living. You can definitely um, do well with it, absolutely. And, you know, there's been dips in the economy or in reading, but it always balances out. And so, yeah, it can be definitely a very fruitful enterprise to do.
1: And have you really had to fight with your publishers or, you know, I I listen to people in the music industry Mm -hmm. who are kind of constantly fighting for their fair share. Right. How, how does that all get negotiated? Yes. It, does it
3: yes, that's a good question. So I have an agent and she does all that for me mm-hmm. and she's fabulous and everybody in my publishing house said she's like one of the very best but they don't like working with her because she makes them give her what she wants. Yeah. So yeah, they, they will go back and forth on stuff and sometimes they have to compromise on what we want and what they want. Um, but for the most part they do really well with it so but they have some things that all publishers do some standard contract rules and those do not change no matter what mm-hmm. um, but for the most part they've they've been great with me so I'm really happy um, I would not want to do it without an agent mm-hmm. because I, honestly I wouldn't know what to ask for what not to ask for mm-hmm. I know a few things um, but I wouldn't know the language. And I do know my agent said at one point they had changed the contracts and she said it was not a good change. So she went to bat for it and Mm -hmm. they ended up changing them back. So Mm -hmm. um, when you get new contract people in, it can shift things. It's not really like the publisher as a whole. It's who's doing the contracts. Yeah.
1: Have you been with the same publisher the whole time? I
3: have. Is that normal? um a lot of authors move around but i love my publisher um they had such faith in me and they just are super supportive um i actually um between my 13th book and the one that just came out there was a two-year gap because i had a year with surgeries and my publisher was so kind and they said okay you have no deadline you just get healthy when you're ready you write it and it came out now i'm back on schedule but but the fact that they care that much yeah. and it, I, I have no plans to leave my publisher ever. So yeah. yeah. And a lot of authors move around. I would say it's a minority that stay.
1: So this Deadly Shallows, is this part of a is this the end of a series?
3: It's technically the end of the full length books, but I am doing a sequel novella. There was a couple that a lot of people fell in love with and wanted their stories. So oh. I wrote a novella which is about a third of the book length but it will be out in may so it is still part of the series um and that will be the wrap-up and
1: so then this one that's coming out next year is the first of a new series
3: yes next fall yes
1: and what's that series
3: so that series is called jeopardy falls and it's about a family of private investigators yeah but uh, they were raised by um, illusionists in Vegas, who really underneath were doing cons. Wow! And they brought the kids into these cons, and uh, they kind of crossed the wrong person. They were on the run. It was just not a good environment. The boys ended up in juvie, and when the oldest was in there, he got saved by somebody who'd come to do Bible studies. Wow! Um, and he got out and decided what he wanted to do and he wanted to catch cons so he got a job as an investigator under somebody else um, and he just turned his life around and so now there's uh, one sibling is still living the life that they knew she's Mm -hmm. older but the other three of them all are private investigators and they focus on getting people who are doing cons or, you know, that are taking advantage of other So people. are they going
1: after their sister or letting her pass?
3: They're trying to reach her, so she's going to be kind of the mystery character. So. Wow. Yeah. And how
1: many books are going to be part of this? Do you know ahead of time?
3: Yes, it'll be four.
1: One that highlights each kid.
3: Yep. Yep. So she will have a book. So. Ooh. Yeah. So something's going to
1: happen with the sister. Yes. And she's not going to die in the first book.
3: No. No, Actually, my husband asked me the other day, he'd read a book and he goes, do you ever think about killing off one of your main characters? And I was like, no, I wouldn't want to do that. (laughs) So he's like, it could be interesting. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that readers would appreciate that. It happens in books, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have
1: like, you know, are you thinking at all beyond this next series? No. 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 Do, do you have any like dream of something that you want to do that's out there that you haven't done yet? Yes. Yes. You, you want to talk about it? Yeah,
3: absolutely. So I would like to write uh, Christian YA thrillers or young, mysteries, young adult, young adult um, suspense, um, which uh, there's a kind of a new market for young, young adult thrillers. And um, I have great interest in that because I feel like there's not a lot of fiction books in Christian fiction for teens or young ad- or like up through college or young adults Yeah. and that age range. And um, I just feel like that's a ministry that would be something I would dream of doing.
1: You said that some people call your book, one of the books you talked yes. about earlier, a thriller. Yes. And you said, I wouldn't really go there. It's more suspense. Like in my mind, untrained layman, yeah, it's all the same. Thriller, it, suspense. It so, honestly, how would you distinguish?
3: Sure, it's it's interesting because I've heard definitions, um, and in some ways, I think it is a thriller. It, they, there's like blurred lines, but basically, if you do a traditional mystery, it's the who done it. Mm-hmm. If you do a suspense, it's um, is the are the hero and heroine going to figure out who did it and survive? And if it's a thriller, the question's always, what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. So it's like these growing stakes that go higher and higher and higher um, and are more uh, intense. So like Lee Child would write thrillers or, you know, um, Jeffrey Deaver, those type of things. They write thrillers and they're very fast paced and they're not... um, they they don't really let up the pace and so that's a thriller
1: where does the horror genre come into this
3: that is an interesting question yeah i i don't know that there's a lot of that um that is kind of i guess when things go to a deeper extreme yeah of what's going on do you know so. of
1: any christian horror it seems almost ant antithetical yeah, there, it'd be hard to do wouldn't it I
3: think it would I would say and I could be incorrect but um, there is an author named Zachary Bartel and he does write along those lines um, hmm. and uh, he is with I think Harper Collins. but and uh, he definitely he he said it's hard because a lot of people um, don't want to read that, you know what I mean? But it's kind of a mix of supernatural with yeah. horror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I kinda liken it to you, you have supernatural and then it kinda goes a little further yeah. within that. They go deeper into the supernatural or um, you know, um demons or, yeah. you know, any of that. So yeah. I think that's more what would be considered horror in Christian fiction, even yeah. though that's true. So yeah.
1: so as a Christian who just like all of us that are Christians, we ultimately, we want to serve the Lord, have a kingdom impact. Um, We view ourselves as ambassadors for Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what, what is your like kingdom hope or your kingdom impact? What, what do you want, like, you know, on a eternal scale or on a spiritual scale to be the result of your life's work?
3: Yes, that's a great question. Um, I would want it to be, you know, when I write, I try to remember. It sounds probably silly, but what I always say is I write for one and one. So if one person reads it and it reaches them for Christ, Mm -hmm. then that's, that's my kingdom work. Like I reached one person for Christ. Cool. The other one is God. I want to glorify God. Yeah. So the books that I write reaching people. Um, I get emails like one person said, I had a miscarriage. I was so sad. I read your books during it. It comforted me. Wow. Um, I have a, a girl who just sent me the card and said she decided to go to uh, college for criminal justice because my books inspired her. Wow. So, but yeah, the ones that talk about how it impacted their faith, mm-hmm. that's, my kingdom work. Like if I can bring one person to Christ, if I can glorify God, mm-hmm. then then that's what I would love to do, mm-hmm.
1: so. That's really cool. Uh, any screenplays, do you, do you think that could ever happen?
3: I think it could, I did have, uh, actually I've had it twice, one um, person my agent pitched to, they liked it, they decided not to go with it, but I did have a screenwriter offer to write the screenplay for, uh, Cold Shot actually, Um, but he hadn't done faith novels before he had done more horror and we thought it wasn't quite the right fit. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I would love for that to happen. And I think there is a possibility. Um, I've gotten to know a number of screenwriters and I think it's finding the right one, but yeah, that'd be exciting. Yeah, I know. I'd be ecstatic.
1: And you start getting paid big time, right? Yeah. That'd be cool.
3: Yeah. I have a friend who uh, just had one of her books made into a movie through Pure Flix. Oh, yeah. And it just came out. And uh, Which one? Uh, forget the name. It's Christy Barrett's movie. Um, ha- was it Hazardous Duty? Or I'll have to think. Cool. She has so many books. She writes a book a month. I can't keep up. Wow. A month. That's for real? Yeah. She's written over 100 books. I'm like... <laughs> are you kidding me how do you do that I've written 14 <laughs> and like
1: 14 sounds insurmountable
3: well right at 10 years and 10 years she's written over 100 I'm like that's amazing so wow. yeah so I'll have to think of the one but hers just came out and yes she was able to get a really nice house yeah <laughs> her family her family upgraded
1: so yeah awesome Danny Petri I- thank you for your time this has been a interesting enjoyable interview i was i was looking forward to it since it got booked and uh it's been good i'm gonna pick up a couple of your books and I'll read them listen. myself i'm not much of a fiction novel reader mm-hmm. i don't i don't read a ton mm-hmm. at, of anything but i've got a business partner and a friend who said that i need to expand my i'm not, I'm not creative mm-hmm. enough like i'm not okay. i need to
3: expand that part of your brain and go
1: fiction And so I I might delve into the fiction uh, domain with your stuff. Oh, that'd
3: be great. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. How
1: can people find you, follow you, get your stuff?
3: Um, So my website is just my name, Danny, D-A-N-I, Petri, P-E-T-T-R-E-Y.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, just look up Danny Petrie and Instagram, I'm author Danny Petri, and I'm on pretty much daily, and I love to interact with readers, so.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll send people your way, and thanks so much
3: for your time. Thank you.
0: to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number 2, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.